Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm tired, as we so often are at the start of the show here, but I am otherwise doing okay, and uh, I'm excited for the show to come. How are you doing? Match my energy, Matt. Meet me up here. Okay. Come on. (laughs) Like, I, I'm there with you, but we got We got jerkies to talk about today, baby. We're, we got to bring it. That's true. The jerkies brought it, and it is up to us to bring it in response. And we are going to do that. Uh, we're going to be talking about issues 6 through 11 of the Dan Jurgens, John Romita Jr., and guest artists run on Thor and you know they got that Spider-Man appearance in the first 10 issues you know they got it in I was wondering why you picked 6 through 10 and I assume it's because next time we're only going to talk about number 12 yeah it's I I said 6 through 10 and I meant 6 through 11 so we're going to do 6 through 11 but yeah number 12 might be an entire episode. I haven't decided yet. It's a double-sized anniversary issue. It's 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 in some ways the conclusion of the Dark Gods storyline. So, yeah. Spoiler uh, it, warning: It kicks ass. Yeah, it does. Uh, but we might do like three or four issues next time, but it won't be six like we do sometimes. Uh, because 12 does require a lot of discussion, but this time, 6 through 11. Uh, we're going to find out all about what happened to Asgard and Olympus, and it's going to be fun. But Chris, before we get into this set of jerkies, we do have some business to take care of. The first bit of business is our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. These are the people. Who have gone all the way down to 653 Gimmick Street. You know what's there, but I will tell you because I have a bit in mind. I appreciate this upfront honesty. I do my best, Matt. Uh, I'll tell you what's down at 653 Gimmick Street. It's the Apple Store. Mm, of course, of course, of course. You can run down there to the Apple Store. Uh, what, and why don't you come with me down to the Apple Store, dear listener? Because uh, I'll tell you, your boy's going to need a new MacBook. Oh, no. It's not, it's not a pressing need currently. It is. My, uh, my MacBook is having a little trouble opening, say, large photographs. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a little intense. It's 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 getting to the point. Makes sense. Uh, this is a MacBook from 2017, so it's it's getting about that time for an upgrade. Uh, so that's why I'm heading down to 653 Gimmick Street. And if you'd like to join me there, 
then I think the best way for you to do that would be to uh, go down to patreon.com slash war rocket Ajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month to uh, help me with my purchase there. And also uh, help us pay those gimmicks they keep sending the mail call bills. That's right, Chris. What will you get if you go to the only Apple store in the world across the street from a Bojangles? Well, <laughs> that can't be right. Surely in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. If, if you know of an Apple store that's across the street from another Bojangles, please inform us. Uh, I mean, they're on gimmick street. That yes, that's the only one I'm aware of. Uh, our newest Patreon supporter is Heronator. Oh, well, thank you, Heronator. If you would like to be like Heronator, or one of our many other patrons over on Patreon, um, I think the number is still somewhere right around 400 patrons. Uh, you can help us. Get to that funny weed number. Come on. Help us out. Help us get there. You know you want to. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash Ajax, And as Chris said, kick it as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we keep doing this show every week. That we do every story ever monthly. Uh, movie fighters and snack situation. Um, which have been disrupted a bit. But we will get back on that train soon. I promise uh, with some snacks, at least the writer strike is over. The actors are still on strike. So I don't know about movie fighters for a little bit longer, but we will do some snacks for you here in the near future. Uh, and uh, also comics catch up. All of that stuff is made possible by your support on Patreon. And as a patron, you get every single one of those shows completely ad free. I will be speaking about ads in a little while. But as a patron, let me stress, you get an ad-free feed of every single one of those shows. So that is, I feel like, a big benefit. Uh, so go over to the Patreon. Every single patron gets that ad-free feed. So I think that's a pretty big incentive. There are other good incentives to be a patron. Bonus content that is Patreon-exclusive audio we record, writing that Chris does, very occasional writing that I do, but a lot of writing from Chris is over there. Uh, that's a huge incentive. And also, you can get line-stepping privileges for our segments like Thursday Night Raw and Every Story Ever. And you can get other uh, cool stuff. T-shirts, physical rewards, other things over there on the Patreon. So, Head over to Patreon if you can and help us out. If you can't help us out on Patreon, and not everybody can, we understand, then you can help us out in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use, or you can just spread the word about the show to your friends. Let them know about more Rocket Ajax and how you like it, and maybe they would too. With that, Chris, it's time for some checks and recs. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? Matt, I have read all of Dragon Ball. Wow. Wow. I did it. I made it through. That is quite a journey. 
I, w- I would say so. A real journey to the West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for like the first half an issue, and then it's mostly just dirty old man jokes interspersed with karate. Uh, yes, I have read all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and I am now into uh, Dragon Ball Super, which is written by Akira Toriyama, but not drawn by Akira Toriyama. And here's what's fucking wild about that. Dragon Ball Z? Dragon Ball? You know Uh Dragon Ball. I'm familiar. Dragon Ball ends with, like, a flash forward to ten years in the future. And, like, things are going great for old Goku. And he's going to be in the world tournament again. Dragon Ball Super picks up, like, two days after the, the story before that. Like two days after they fight Majin Buu, so it's it's not quite a retcon, but it is like you get a very Golden Age Superman is going off to heaven in Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of <laughs> end Dragon Ball, and then it's like, yeah, but we do still want to do stuff actually, and we know that you want to read about you want to read about Goku. And the wildest thing is, they have multiple occasions where someone's like, I don't know, man, should we get Gohan in on this? And Goku's like, nah, he's got a job. Well, what's interesting is that Dragon Ball Super is the second try to do a sequel to Dragon Ball Z. Because Dragon Ball GT, which is now non-canon. Yeah, Dragon Ball Ball GT is non-canon. Yeah. Dragon Ball GT, which is weird because it's like, what if Goku turned back into a kid, but yes. like nobody else did? Dragon Ball GT is the sh- I don't I haven't really watched a ton of it, but I know it's the show. I don't think it's a comic, right? It's just a show. Uh, yeah, I think it's only an anime. Yeah, uh, I, it's the show that really leans into the Saiyans is apes idea that mostly got dropped from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, that is um, completely abandoned in Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> like, the. I, I will say, Dragon Ball Super is pretty fun. It gets weirdly, like, multiversal and cosmic because you start finding out about how there's, like, 12 different universes. And since Goku's already fought all the strongest people in this universe, he really wants to go fight all the people from the other universes, which is fun. You know, that's fun. That's fine. But then other Saiyans from the other universe show up where they were never conquered by Frieza. Uh And those Saiyans just just straight do not have tails. They're just like, (laughs) yeah, no no tails. Like, we do other stuff. In in our reality, we don't become apes in a full moon. Yeah. Uh, That's where Kale and Cauliflower come from who make uh, Kefla, who we had a lot of questions about when we were playing Dragon Ball Fighter-Z. Uh And she kind of rules, actually. So, good news. <laughs> I'm very happy for you that you, you finished Dragon Ball. What, what, what worlds do you have left to conquer? Uh, probably One Piece, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's next. I mean, yeah. 
I guess we got to read Chainsaw Man eventually. Yeah, I could, I could, I could fuck with Chainsaw Man. I'm, I'm pretty excited to have finally read all of Dragon Ball, especially given my like, this is my Toriyama era. Uh-huh. I'm definitely like, like I started playing a Dragon Quest game tonight, so <laughs> it's it's Toriyama time, baby. But I'm I'm happy to be through Dragon Ball, and I'm I'm honestly like. I think I'm over halfway through Super at this point, too. So after that, I just have the non-canonical, that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. A real comic that I am going to read. Mm, mm, mm. Matt, what have you been up to this past week? Well, Chris, I wanted to take this opportunity to address something that came through the old email inbox. Uh, A listener... I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to blow up their spot, but a listener got in touch uh, with us earlier this week, letting us know that there was an ad ahead of an episode of War Rocket Ajax uh, in their you know regular Apple Podcasts feed that, I don't need to say what the ad was, but it was like, a political ad that does not fall in line with our views, our sensibilities. It was specifically Canadian, a Canadian political ad. I said that should not have been on the show, and I let our hosts at Zencaster know about it, uh, which they investigated, and they said that no ads from that organization are going to be on the show anymore, which is great. But that leads me to two things that I want to note here in my check. First of all, if you hear an ad on the show that you think is pretty out of line with what we talk about here, what we are into, the stuff we say at the end of the show, let us know about it, and we will do what we can to make sure that those ads are not served on the show anymore because we don't want those ads. And I tried to make a lot of efforts to ensure that the ads that are served on the show are in line with our brand, for lack of a better way to put it. So if you hear an, uh, an ad on the show, particularly a political ad that uh, does not fit the show, uh, let us know about it. Two, the listener who emailed me is a patron. If you are a patron, use the Patreon feed. You you can listen to the show without ads, and I think that would be very useful for patrons to do. So use the advantage of being a patron if you are a patron, and and listen to the ad-free version of the show. But if you do listen to the version of the show with ads, and you hear an ad that uh, makes you feel weird, makes you feel bad, that you don't like, uh, do not hesitate to get in touch either by email or on our discord or wherever you want to get in touch with us, you know, the places um, I do not want ads that are not in line with us on the show. Yeah. We try not to have political ads at all, but like, especially not ones that do not align with our beliefs. Yeah. Um, I did. I, as I said, I, I completely 
requested no political ads at all. So if you hear one, let me know about it. All right, Chris, time for some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, uh, <laughs> speaking of things we believe in, Matt, you know what's, uh, you know what's legal in Minneapolis now. Uh, the we don't old, have to say it, but like, you know, you know what's legal in Minneapolis the old, now. The old green. I've been, uh, I've been, uh, mix, mixing some herb lately. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Been, been, uh, been combining different strains of, of the herb. Uh, and by that, I, of course, mean I've been playing Resident Evil 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got green and red and yellow. And yellow, yeah. Sometimes green, green, yellow. That's Sometimes that's what I do. Uh, but yes, I, I, Matt, I played Resident Evil 4. And I had a lot of fun. And I've told multiple people this, and they've been surprised. And they've been like, oh, you played a scary game. That's really interesting to me, because if I'm known for liking a particular video game, it is one about fucking vampires and shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I I think you've said in the past that you don't like scary movies, but you don't mind horror-themed games. Yeah. I don't like games that... I, I don't traditionally like like survival horror games because I don't the like feeling of uh, like powerlessness and scarcity that those games uh, are kind of based around is, is just not fun for me. Like I like action games in general, um, and to that end, I would say Resident Evil Four is not scary at all. It's mostly a game about shooting things. Yeah, it's uh, it's largely an action last game. And if, if, <laughs> if there was going to be one Resident Evil game that I would say that I would recommend to you specifically and would say is up your alley, that's the one. Uh, so I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you played it. Yeah, uh, and uh, highly enjoyable. I did play the remake. I did get the original version, which I've never played, but I uh, didn't like I. I I got it because it was like $4 and then the remake went on sale. And I was like, well, I want to play the remake. I'll just play that one. Uh, because I, like I had heard it was good. I had heard that it is, you know, pretty, uh, a couple of things were changed, but it's pretty in tune with the original. And I figured I would have a better time with a newer version where you could move while you were shooting, for instance. Yeah. I think that is, probably the right call you did miss out on running away from a giant mechanical statue of uh ramon that little freak i mean he is in there the the, the giant statue is also in there he's in there but you in the original there's a chase with the Mm. giant with the mechanical statue (laughs) i did text you with no context other than I think I told you that I was like the day before that I was going to play Resident Evil Four, and then I texted you the following day just the question: Am I going to get to kill this little freak? And I knew exactly who you meant. Yeah, you knew that I meant that nasty boy. Yeah, Maddie's nasty. He's, he's that's, a nasty I mean, that's, a, that's the best part about that game is 
that you fight weird little freaks and like Leon's ex military commander. It's just weird. And Leon's I love ex Leon's ex military commander who seems like he has his own story going on that I am not part like privy to. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like but uh I did enjoy it. I did think it was very every single time that that little weirdo called me Mr. Kennedy. I just really I mean, between that and the suplexes in the game, like, really thought about Ken Anderson a lot <laughs> in, in playing that game. But yeah, I can. Uh, I, I know some DLC just came out for it, uh, starring Ada Wong, a character that I was utterly unfamiliar with, but now find to be hilarious. Why is yeah, she? It's... Why is she wearing the sexiest outfit? To That's grappling right. hook and machine gun her way around this creepy Spanish island. That's what special agents wear. That's what spies wear. I mean, yeah, I guess. It's In not, Resident I, Evil. I, mean, I guess Leon is actually dressed kind of sexy. That's a, He's got a great jacket. I want that jacket so bad. He does have a good jacket. It's a, Oh, it's the best jacket. Not the last good jacket we'll be talking about in this episode. Uh, mm. I did appreciate when um, Ashley said, "I'm like a master of unlocking." It's good. I love, I love, I love references. I believe that is original to the remake. That line. That's a good line. Uh, that's a good. They, that's a good one. One of the biggest changes of the remake is they they uh, adjusted Ashley and Leon's relationship. Not that Leon has any kind of like weird things toward Ashley, but in the original, Ashley is constantly hitting on Leon <laughs> and they dropped it, that. And that's good. <laughs> that is good. Cause like, it's definitely still there, but it comes off as much more of like, like it's, it's much more subtle of like, like, Oh, this girl has a crush on this guy who rescued her, which is yeah. like, like my favorite part is when, uh, Ashley is like at the end, she's like, Hey, you know, I I could ask my dad to put you on my security detail, and uh, this fucking asshole <laughs> goes, "Nah, you don't need me." And I'm like, Leon, I'm not saying you should have said yes, but you should have figured out a better way <laughs> to like, come on, bud, do, please do not break this poor girl's heart. She's had a rough week. Like, look, Leon's like. You're not putting this evil on me. The president is not going to suspect a thing of me. I am keeping my hands clean. Mm -hmm. No thanks. Uh, yeah. No, very, very fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, good, good, fun game, Resident Evil 4. I do also have the Resident Evil 2 remake that I started and didn't finish. So uh, I, I do kind of want to give that a shot. I will say that I loved that there is like lore that explains why everything's so fucking stupid in that castle. <laughs> There's lore that explains why the police station is designed like it is in Resident Evil 2 as well. That is so fucking flimsy, dude. That is like, oh yeah, the police station used to be some weirdo's house. Really? 
Really? <laughs> and so you kept the playing card themed locks on the doors? You sure, you sure about that? You sure about that? Okay. Resident Evil 4. I enjoyed it. And now I finally get the joke from like uh, several years ago on this show where I asked the uh, Twitter question, what are you selling? What are you buying? And you had to be like, no, 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 you have to do it like this. And, and did the actual like line from the merchant. Yeah. They, they added some merchant dialogue in the remake too. They made him more of a freak where he's like, Oh, guns. I love them. Oh, what's better than a gun? Gun rhymes with fun, stranger. Yeah, that's why what he says. Leon, why does Leon not go, hey man, how are you getting around? In my YouTube playthrough of Resident Evil 4, I, did, I just said, these have to be different guys. Because like, he's, he's in the castle, and he's on the other island, and he's setting up shop in like, weird spots. He's, there's, there's more than one of that guy, guaranteed. Matt, what would you like to recommend to people today? Well, Chris, I also have a game to recommend. Uh, it's also a game that went on sale, and so I bought it. It was AEW Fight Forever. Now, I know people have had some complaints about this game. Some 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 gripes about like maybe it being sort of low on features or the gameplay being kind of basic or, you know, whatever, whatever they, whatever problems they may have. But this is a video game where I got to make a wrestler version of myself who wears a gold bodysuit and a crown. And I could have Justin Roberts announce as he comes out that Wilson, the King, here he is, Wilson, the King. And he has he wears glasses in the match. Like he's wearing glasses as he wrestles. Fucking powerhouse Hobbs, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like it I feel like it takes a while to kind of get used to the mechanics of the game. The, my big complaint about the game is that it doesn't quite give everything to you of like actually how to play it. So you got to play it for a while to actually kind of figure out all the different things you can do. And once you get there, I, I, I feel like it's pretty robust. It, it's arcadey and, you know, maybe not as, as complex as like some of the more simulation based other wrestling games that are out there. But I certainly had fun playing through the story mode and, I appreciate how in the story mode you have like four days to spend your time before dynamite or a pay-per-view. So you can work out, go sightseeing, eat at a restaurant, play a mini game, do a match on rampage or AEW dark. If you're injured, you go to, you can go to the hospital like there's different things. I think that's all the options of stuff you can do. Oh, you can go on a talk show. That's the other thing. You can do like a promotional event. And 
I was so endeared by like, even though you're in different cities, if you go to the gym or to a restaurant, it's always the same gym. Always. Every time, 100% the same gym, same animation of working out, all of it. If you go to a restaurant, it's always the same restaurant, but then the server brings you local food from whatever city you're in. Like, if you're in like LA, I think you get sushi. No, you get avocado toast in LA. That's what you get. <laughs> if you're in Chicago, you get deep dish pizza. Like, you know, whatever. And it shows like a photo of the food <laughs> on the screen. It reminded me of in uh, Final Fantasy 15, 14, I forget which one, the one with all the cooking in it that had like pictures of food on the screen all the time. It reminded me of that. And also just like the sort of, the restaurant's always actually the same restaurant. It kind of just had this old school video gamey quality to it that I actually loved. Uh, so, you know, I, am I gonna like pick it up and play story mode again? I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Um, but for what I got out of it, I definitely enjoyed playing Fight Forever. I enjoyed creating a wrestler. I enjoyed playing through story mode. Um, I'll probably pick it up and mess around with it some more uh, over the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, for what it was, I had a great time with that game. And especially since I got it on sale, I feel excellent about the purchase. Now, have you fought Orange Cassidy as Wilson the King? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, actually, in the version of the story mode I played, we did. We had one match. I think it was on a rampage, and then we were a tag team. Did like he asked me be on a tag team, and we were on a tag team. That's like you. I hope you did some twin magic on that. <laughs> we were wearing very different outfits, but yes, uh, that that would have been the right call. All right, Chris, that's going to do it for our checks and recs, which means it's time to talk about some comics that came out this week. Let's do it. Now, dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which I, is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... 
here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for Paperlike products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Well, Chris, I said this week, but we're going to start actually with a comic that came out last week because we didn't get around to reading it until this week. That is Predator vs. Wolverine number one, a comic from 20th Century Studios Comics. That's wild. I mean, it's it's from Marvel Comics. It is it is from it is from the company that owns both Marvel Comics and 20th Century Fox. It is it, like there's a tiny little uh, in association with Marvel down at the bottom, which I think yeah. is wild. Yeah, the uh, logo but, yeah. in the corner is 20th Century Studios. I I think that's bananas. <laughs> Fully bananas, because uh, yeah. it's definitely just a Marvel comic. This is the winner of this week's uh, Texter's Choice Award. It sure is. Because what I texted you was, uh, Predator versus Wolverine is the balm I need for these trying times. <laughs> hey, would you like to read a comic about Predator and Wolverine fighting each other over the course of... Roughly 125 years. Yes. Because that's what that's what this comic is. A million percent yes. When you <laughs> said that this is a comic from 20th Century uh, Studios, I thought what you were going to say is a comic that came out this year. And, and also that we that. did not get from 1995. True. Because shockingly... Shockingly, Predator vs. Wolverine did not happen in 1995. Yes, but if you have 
one company that owns all this stuff, if we're going to have horrible media consolidation, let's at least get this shit out of it, you know? Exactly. Let's at least get this. Yeah. Can, can we is, at least have this? Yeah. It is kind of actually a blast. No, it's it's a hoot. Um, it, It's written by Benjamin Percy, who... uh. I haven't read a ton by, but what I have read, I've I've enjoyed. Uh, and it's actually got, like, I would say this is the best and most appropriate use of Greg Land in years. Agreed. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you want the, you want the Predator to look just like he looks in the movies? Okay, we got a guy, we got a guy who can, who can, you know, set up the old light box and get that going for you. Uh, but you know it's 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 not bad. He draws the the bulk of it. Uh the uh present day stuff because there's a framing sequence about uh Wolverine fighting predator. Uh that's all drawn by uh Ken Lashley who actually does a really good job. And uh Andrea DeVito does what I did not expect. I didn't know we were going to get two of these in one comic. Andrea DeVito draws the Team X sequence. Yeah, it's it says it's many years ago, but in my head it's the nineties. Uh, yeah, buddy, because Maverick's there. Because Maverick's there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I when we did the flashback to like post origin uh, Wolverine out in Alaska, like he's like this is life and times of Scrooge McDuck. Uh, I figured we would just get like. Each issue of this would be a like a different era. I didn't know that we were also going to get like that we were going to slam right into Team X in this. Yeah. Well, what I just what I realized as we got to the end of it, I real well, I realized two things as I was reading this. One, one of the themes of the book is that Predator and Wolverine they're the same. Uh huh. And I actually love that shit. Yes, the like, same. Same. The- the bit where they've both stabbed each other and they're like, like pulling out the, uh, the implements of stabbing that they've been stabbed with. Mm-hmm. And they both go, rah, that rules. It owns pretty hard. Yes. Yeah. Also. So this book takes place in three different time periods, right? It takes place uh-huh. around 1900. It takes place in, let's just say, the 90s, and it takes place in present day. Yes. Each one of those settings is a different Predator movie. Is a different Predator. Yes. I was good. Like, that's the thing that I love about it, because we get, like, I guess this is significantly later than uh, Prey, but it's got Prey vibes. The, for sure. The, the, the 1900s stuff has Prey vibes. Yeah. Partially because there's, like, evil colonists around as well. The present day stuff is like original Schwarzenegger predator. And the nineties stuff with team X is like predators. See, that's interesting. Cause I, I made the connection to, uh, because the team X stuff happens in South America, that that's, Original, maybe, yeah. 
Actually, you know what? That that might be original Predator because the original Predator had a team, too. but there are multiple Predators. That's why I'm saying it's Predators. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But like, I definitely made the connection of like Team X is uh, Poncho Mac Dylan, Dutch Blaine, and Hawkins. I mean, Sabretooth even has the the Gatling gun. Sabretooth has Bill Duke's gun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what you texted me uh, after I, you were like, "Okay, I'll read it," and then like three hours later, I got a text just said, "Fucking Maverick." <laughs> <laughs> oh, love that dude. Love yeah. Maverick. Yeah, man, it's good. I, it is. It is a ball for these trying times. Yeah, it's exactly because look, what did we say? Best kind of comics are smart comics. Second best kind of comics are dumb comics. This comic is dumb in exactly the right way. It's smart about being dumb. Yes. Also, of course, Predator and Wolverine are the same. They're the only two dudes who wear hats the exact shape of their heads. Wow. Wow. The similarities keep coming. Chris, next up, I want to talk about the first issue of the new Flash series. Dawn of DC continues apace. I guess they're just rolling out Dawn of DC very deliberately. Because uh, there have been new number ones within Dawn of DC kind of throughout the year. So I guess it is going to be a line-wide thing. Um, so here's what I have to say about Flash number one, uh, which is written by uh, Cy Spurrier and has art uh, by uh, Mike Diodato Jr., don't get fooled by the cover. The cover will make you not want to read this comic. It's like this weird image of the Flash like punching through glass, and there's glass everywhere, and the logo is another really bad logo on a DC book. As I said on Blue Sky, someone said, hey, you know what says Flash to me? If he stands still inside the letter A, because that's that's what he's doing on in that logo. Uh, Benito actually pointed out that is it is absolutely that Michael Turner flash cover where he's just standing there, buddy. That's a that's a layup. Yeah. He does he does one thing. All you got to do is make that logo look like it's moving, or make him look like he's moving in it. But he's not. He's just standing there. Anyway, don't get fooled by the cover. Read the inside, because Chris, Cy Spurrier has brought back the Flash that we love. This is fucking Wally West. I mean, I do like that. On page one, on page one, Max Mercury and Impulse are there. I do like them. Jesse Quick shows up after that. There's a whole setup where Wally is now working for Mr. Terrific. It's not exactly a Peter Norman Osborn situation, because Mr. Terrific is not a Norman Osborn type. But it sort of has that that sort of vibe to it a little bit, in that, that Wally really wants to impress Mr. Terrific. Gorilla Grodd has got something going on. There's a new speedster that Wally has heard about, but hasn't really met. There's a ton of stuff about in here about uh, Wally's kids. 
and how they're kind of dealing with their new or with their flash powers. Uh, Linda is a very important element of the story. It's got everything. I feel like it's got everything you want from a flash number one. The book itself, like the design of it is really cool. Diodato actually does some like cool design stuff inside the book. Um, I think it's absolutely worth checking out. It's the most I've enjoyed a flash book in quite some time. So don't get fooled by the cover. Check out flash number one. I I had a, a fun time reading it. Chris, you wanted to talk about the new power girl. Number one. Yeah. Which is another, uh, new Dawn of DC book. And, uh, I will say this. I, uh, enjoyed the book. Uh, I, I, I think it's got like a, a fun premise. I should say it's uh, Leah Williams and Eduardo Pencia uh, with Julio Ferreira and uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr., uh, who worked on uh, Bad Blood, actually. I enjoyed it. I like Power Girl as a character. I like her new costume that has a cool jacket. Uh, she's basically got her, like, you know, the classic Power Girl costume, except it's, like, got pants instead of being a swimsuit. And then instead of a cape, she's got a cool jacket. Love uh, that. Love this that. still has like the the big golden thing with the chains, the big gold uh, like pauldron on it, which mm-hmm. I've always really liked yeah. about her design. Uh, but it's got like a Superman patch on it, so you know she's a so you know she's uh, friends with Superman. I mean, she's Superman. She's in cousin from another dimension. She's in the family. Yeah, yeah. But here's here's the thing. I don't blame anyone for this other than the corporate entity that is Detective Comics Comics. This is not Leah Williams' fault. But, like, page three of this comic is the splash page that, like, you know, we get the credits, we get the title and everything. And we also get this comics version of what I always think of as the uh, Caught in the Heart of a Gamma Bomb Explosion box right it's the box that comes with the uh like above the the title on like page one uh to kind of you know explain it if you read those mark grunwald uh captain americas then you know you know what it is right got in the heart of a game of bomb explosion bruce banner transforms into uh the angry monster known as the hulk whatever the one for Power Girl is like reading an essay. It's so much. It's very long, <laughs> yes. Kara Zorel was just an infant when her parents sent her away in a sentient symbioship to save her from a doomed and dying Krypton. It was to be Kara's mission to look after her younger cousin, Kal-El, when both arrived safely at Earth 2. However, her journey took much longer than expected. She came into her own and worked with Superman until a cosmic calamity destroyed the planet, leaving her the sole survivor. Seeking refuge on Earth Prime and taking the name Paige, she fights alongside the superfamily as Power Girl in the never-ending battle against evil. That's too much. That is too much to sum up the character again not leah williams's fault not anybody's fault not the fault of the editors uh but like you gotta cut that down uh because here's the thing power girls got like a sidekick in this 
whose name is Omen. And I know nothing about this character because I'm just jumping into like Power Girl number one, right? She is, her whole deal is not explained at all. And I'm kind of <laughs> like, yeah, that makes sense. Because if it's, if it's that long, there's literally no room on any of these pages for it. I, I do want to stick with this book. I did like it. I like Power Girl's character. I think the costume redesign is really good. Uh, I think setting up like anti-alien guys is like a fun bit. But you gotta, you just gotta, gotta trim down that 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 box. Gotta trim down that caption. Twenty-five word Stanley rule. <laughs> All right, Chris, those are our comics reviews for the week, which means it's time to get into some comics from 25 years ago. Oh, the jerkies. It's jerky. It's jerky time. Jerkies, baby. Thor, number six. Guest starring Hercules. Guest starring Hercules, who's a real asshole for no reason. Yeah, on the cover, he is following through on a punch direct to Thor, who is falling back toward us, the reader, as his helmet falls off. Like this, this is how we see Thor uh, right here on on the cover. His his big old hand covering up the letter H. Hercules, the, the puncher. Is who's the guest star in this comic? <laughs> the Puncher of Olympus is here. Yes. Uh, we open with what I think is really fun, and I miss when comics did this. But we get a flashback to when Thor and Loki were l- little kids, but they are just wearing small versions of their regular costumes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Thor's got like little skinny kid arms, but he's still got on like like his little tank top with the circles on it, and for some reason, big red gloves. They look like they're wearing Halloween costumes. Yeah, I love it. I yeah. love it. So they're like up in the rafters of like the war council chamber of Asgard, right? Mm-hmm. And they're listening into the war council like odin is talking to the war council about how there's this great existential threat to asgard and they'd better strike now or asgard is going to be imperiled forever and as loki and thor listen in loki pushes thor off of the ramparts and makes him fall down to the floor because he's thinking like, oh, Thor's going to get caught listening in, and Odin's going to get mad at him. But instead, Odin's like, yeah, this is. Good. I'm proud of you. You should care about what's going on with the War Council. Uh, so anyway, now we're going to go do a war. And uh, Jake Olsen's alarm goes off. And he wakes up, and he realizes that he's just had a dream that was really a flashback to hearing 
his dad talk about some great threat to Asgard, but he can't remember what the threat actually was. Like he's trying to trying to remember what it is. And so he's like, I guess I got to go back to Asgard and find out what they were talking about. And you know, that's when fucking Marnot shows up. Well, we, I, I do want to say, I do want to point out, um, we do get the, the big splash page uh, telling us that's right. It's Jurgis, uh Dan Jurgens. John Romita Jr., Klaus Jansen, uh, inking John Romita Jr. That's a good team. This splash page of Odin, mm-hmm. Odin is wearing a pretty good hat. It's a pretty good hat. Yeah. It's a pretty good hat. It's not the good hat, but it's pretty good. It is in the spirit of the good hat. It's definitely good hat inspired. Here's what I like about this hat. It does not cover up his glorious eyebrows. No, those eyebrows are ill. (laughs) Those eyebrows are fucking wild. They are out, and they are spectacular, these eyebrows. Um, He's also got, like, a a big, like, scepter that's just spewing Kirby dots out of it. Love it. Yeah. It's It's a very good splash page. Marnot shows up and he's like, Hey, you think about Asgard? Cause you agreed that you have to be Jake Olson. And Jake Olson is going to win an award for what he did saving those people at the docks against the destroyer armor. And you got to be there because you got to do everything that Jake Olson's supposed to do. And Thor's like, I, but I don't want to do that. And Marnot says, you gotta. I saved you from hell. Yeah. I saved you from hell. You gotta do what Jake Olson does. And we also get, so right after Marnot leaves, he turns into Thor. And we get the sound effect for when Jake uh, Olson turns into Thor. And it's Fasash. Pretty good. Uh, Meanwhile, Hannah and Demetrius the girlfriend and partner of Jake Olson, respectively, are at the event, and they're like, what's going on with Jake? He's acting weird. And they're like, must have been that near-death experience that that changed him. But then Thor shows up, he goes into an alley, he changes back into Jake Olson. Jake's in his underpants, because Thor is too dumb to know that he he won't just like suddenly have clothes when he changes back into Jake. I Olson. mean, to be fair, he always has clothes when he turns into Thor. He wears Thor's clothes. That's fair, but I think it is explained that whatever clothes he was wearing when he transformed will be the clothes he's wearing when he transforms back. Uh, so he has to go into the locker room at work and find a uniform to pay, put on. Demetrius shows up and he goes, better get out here to get your award. There's a special guest who's presenting your award. And it's not just the boss. Turns out it's old Steve Rogers, Captain America himself. Here holding a medal to give to Jake Olson. And then when Jake gets on stage, he says, uh, no, I don't, I don't want that award. I don't deserve it. And Cap's like, why not? 
and then Jake's boss is like, oh, oh, sorry, um, Mr. Captain America, um, I have no idea why you won't accept the award. Uh, don't, uh, don't judge us based on that. And Captain America goes, look, if he doesn't want the award, he doesn't have to accept it. Uh, I don't quite understand it, but that is his prerogative. And so Cap bounces. And uh, Jake's boss yells at him and storms off. And uh, Hannah is confused. But, uh, but Jane, who is also there, is like, I think this guy's Thor. <laughs> like, <laughs> she just immediately clocks. Jane Foster is just immediately like, this guy seems like Thor to me. Yeah, her suspicions. I mean, it, like, I don't even know if they are suspicions. If that's like even the right word for it at this point, because Jake Olson was like, no, I learned this from Dr. Don Blake, who we know is not a real person. Like Jane knows that Jane knows Don Blake is not a real person. Right. He's, he's a construct created by, by Odin to teach Thor humility. Like, I, f- I find that very enjoyable. <laughs> so then we cut to some bar uh, where Hercules is just hanging out and picking up love seats with three women on them. All of whom look kind of like punky. Like Hercules is hanging out at some trendy bar full yeah. of cool people. Yeah. These are... One of them's got a cool ankle tattoo, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is like John Romita Jr.'s The Spice Girls. <laughs> which I'm into, personally. I, I'm liking it. So Thor shows up at this bar, and he's like, Hey, uh, I had this wild dream about how Asgard was going to be attacked by this like horrible existential threat. And maybe like you could help me figure out what that was because i don't remember and then hercules just hauls off and punches him immediately yeah yeah he's like punches how him. how dare you ask me when i'm having fun to think <laughs> i mean look i get when you put it like that i do get it it's smooth brain <laughs> summer for for hercules yeah definitely he but he punches thor through, like he destroys the facade of this building, then punches Thor into a city bus, yeah, that is bent in half, and like the windshield, like Thor goes into the side of it so hard that the front windshield shatters, as well yeah. as anything else. Hopefully, that bus was empty because. <laughs> Anybody inside of it would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems like a bit of an outsized reaction. Yeah. Uh, so Thor is like, okay, if that's the way you want it, fine. So he throws Mjolnir and hits Hercules with it while he's sitting at the bar. There's this cool move where Mjolnir kind of like goes out in front of Hercules and then comes back around and hits him in the gut. Mm-hmm. And 
John Romita Jr. shows up this all in one panel. It's actually pretty masterful. It's really good. Yeah. And then and then they fight. They they fight for a while inside the bar, but eventually Thor just like picks Hercules up and he's like Can can we go? Can we go to Olympus and see what's going on there? And Hercules is like, ah, okay, sure. Uh I haven't been to Olympus in a while. Zeus kinda, you know, Strip me of my uh, heritage and title and immortality, but uh, yeah, we can go. And so they go to Olympus, and wouldn't you know it, it is utterly destroyed. Big last splash page. It's totally in ruins. Which leads us into Thor number seven. The power of Zeus. Where uh, big old red-haired Zeus is uh it looks like he's shocking Thor and and uh, Hercules with some lightning energy here on the cover. It, I mean you say lightning energy but if you did not know this was Zeus you would not you would not think this was lightning. Yeah, it's blue. <laughs> it's like it's it's energy in the way that like you know dudes in comics like to throw around energy. Yeah, but, it's a blast. Yeah. Um, I do love the color of this cover. I love the colors on all of these covers. Like, they're just so, like, vivid. The the mm-hmm. Like, the purples and blues on this cover, gorgeous. I, I love them. Issue 7 starts with the Dark Gods. We catch back up with the, the Dark Gods. And uh, we're reminded that they're holding Odin captive. We see Odin, that huge contraption he's having to hold up uh, or l- lest it fall down upon him. And uh, they're like, ah, Odin's going Odin's gonna to break eventually. And Odin's like, I absolutely will not. So Magiston Zelia comes over and slaps him. Well, he spits on her first, and then she slaps him. And uh, it's, you know, it's just a, like a reminder of the fact that Odin is in captivity and the Dark Gods uh, have him. I love uh, every time we see this contraption that Odin is in. Yeah. Where he has to, like, keep hold of the chains or they'll fall on him. That's so fun. That's yeah. great. It's a great design. Odin, you know... I, again, we're reminded that Odin is in captivity. There's a little bit of conversation about how the Asgardians and the Olympians had sort of a peace pact. They were allies. And we'll find out how the Dark Gods ruined that in a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut back to Olympus. Zeus or uh, Hercules and Thor are are walking around through the the destruction, through the ruins. They see a grave for Dionysus. And then all of a sudden Hermes shows up with his chariot and two horses. And he uh, starts attacking Thor and Thor's like, Hey, what the fuck? What are you doing? What are you doing, Hermes? But 
like last issue, he's like, all right, if you want to fight, we can fight. And so he starts fighting back once uh, Hermes starts attacking. But then Ares shows up and he starts attacking. And now they're both attacking Thor. So Hercules gets into the fight. Uh, well, Atlas also attacks. Uh, that's finally when Hercules gets into the fight. And he's like, hey, 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 what are you guys doing? What's going on here? Thor throws Mjolnir at one point, And it does that thing it did a few issues ago where it is kind of behaving weirdly. It it ends up hitting Atlas in the head, and the sound effect is grump. And uh, he's like, "Hey, that's not what I wanted Mjolnir to do. What is what is going on with that?" It it acts as though it has intention of its own. Uh, then Pluto arrives, and he's like, uh, "Hercules, you fucked up. You fucked up by." aligning yourself with this Asgardian. Boy, you you have made a huge blunder with this one. And that's when Zeus arrives with his red hair, and he's like totally surrounded by this red energy aura that rules. And he goes, why do you even care about what happened to Olympus? You lost your birthright, and you're hanging out with Thor. And Thor's like, no, no, if I knew what was going to happen to Olympus, I would have come and helped. And Zeus is like, funny, funny you would say that. It was the Asgardians who came and destroyed Olympus to begin with. They're the ones who showed up and, and wrecked this whole place. And that's when we find out through some intercutting scenes that the Dark Gods have a guy who can make illusions that uh, the Deceptor is his name. They have a guy who can make illusions that made the Olympians think that the Dark Gods were actually the Asgardians showing up to destroy Olympus. So that's why all the Olympians are so mad. Mm-hmm. Hercules is, of course, conflicted in all of this. He's like, I don't know who to believe. And Thor basically says, like, look, man, I, I, I'm I, just telling you, I, I don't think this would have was the way it would have happened. And I'm going to put my hammer down because I don't want to fight you, even though we fought last issue. <laughs> Even even though 100% of the times we are in the same comic, we fight. Yeah. And, like, I don't know what happened, but all I, as far as I know, all the Asgardians are dead. Like, I went to Asgard and nobody was there. I do not think this is how this happened. I don't know what is going on, but... I need you to believe me. And Hercules is like, okay, yeah, I believe you. And Zeus is like, then get the fuck out. And he sends <laughs> them both back to Earth. That is true. That is what he does. I do like that Thor is like, or that Hercules is like, hey, I mean, look, if you did this, then we are, you know, sworn mortal enemies. Immortal enemies, even. But like, damn, I know you couldn't carry that hammer if you weren't if worthy of it 
and you're also an Avenger. So yeah, like he he kind of gives him like a full like the Bachelor speech because he literally yeah. says like it is for these reasons that I'm giving you this rose. <laughs> Thor's like, okay, see you later. And then Hercules hears some stuff about on the radio from Chucky Diamond about the Thunderbolts. And he's like, I gotta go find the Thunderbolts. Uh, which is in an issue of Thunderbolts that we didn't read. Yeah, d- didn't read it. Sure, it's probably pretty good. Thor number eight. Menace from the World Beyond, featuring the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, buddy. Really, really bright, vibrant orange colors on this cover. That I think was originally drawn without Spider-Man. So it they definitely just feels like that is a Spider-Man that is hastily photoshopped onto this cover. <laughs> like it's simply like a John Romita Jr. Spider-Man, but he yeah. does look like he has been like, like the transform tool has been applied well after the fact. Yeah, he's got like a weird like uh, transparency effect going on. <laughs> His arms are super I long. I don't quite know what's going on, but um, it's like they forgot to put Spider-Man in a comic, and then they were like, "Yo, this is a new series." Like, I know it's Thor, and he's an established character. This ain't Darkhawk we're talking about, but but we still got to get Spider-Man in there. It's number eight. You gotta, you gotta do it. Or like John Romita Jr. drew the cover, and they were like, "Hey, John, remember this is the issue with Spider-Man in it." And he was like, oh, shit. So he just quickly had to draw Spider-Man over on the edge of the pa- of the page. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it's like he did that, but like then he forgot to save that lair as, as CMYK, so it's RGB, so it's all fucked up and weird looking. It's, it's weird. It it's like. the worst cover of the run so far. It, agreed, yeah. Uh, the title of this issue is And the Home of the Brave. Uh, we get a, a nice splash page of Thor just kind of overlooking the city uh as he tries to go to asgard he he spins mjolnir around he uh sets foot briefly on the rainbow bridge before he is then repelled back to earth and he's like he does a a perfect form squad yes he does um so he's like okay i don't know why that happened um then we check back in with the dark gods uh we are introduced to a weird freak that they know. Like so far it's just been Magiston Zelia and Paracus and a couple other of the dark gods. But now there's this weird little freak named Tockets. I like Tockets. He's got like weird messed up word balloons and he's a weird freak who looks kind of like a bat. And he speaks in rhyme. He speaks in rhyme. Yeah. So this is, I think this is kind of the first time that it really clicked. And I don't know, maybe go back and listen to the the first part of Jurgis and see if I said this then, but like it really clicked that this is Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr. doing Thor versus Jack Kirby's DC work. Yeah. I mean, cause like, Takas is, Kind of the demon? Tockets is the demon, yeah. Although, yeah. like, Kirby's version of Etrigan didn't speak in rhyme. Like, I think that's, first of all, I think that's just, like, fun to write. 
But also, like, I think that's 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 Dan Jurgens leaning over being like, you get it? Do you, do you get it? Do you get what I'm doing with yeah. this? Do you get it? And I kind of also like, I, yeah, he's like grosser than the demon, but he's like the same color as the demon. Yeah, he's got he he has the same color scheme. He's like orange with like red armor, and he speaks yeah. in rhyme, and he's always like you know kind of weirdly hunched over. Uh, so that is it is fully like if you were wondering. Hey, are these guys supposed to be like like dark side in them? Yes. Yes they are. A hundred percent. So we get a sense that there are some other Asgardians who are still alive because after Takuts is introduced, Balder is brought out as someone for Paracus to fight. And Takuts is like, no, 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 let me fight him. Let me fight him. And Magistan Zelia is like, no, he's for Paracus to fight. And finally, he gets so annoying that they send Takets away. They, like, you know, knock him away. And he just happens to catch, at that moment, Thor on the Rainbow Bridge. And he manages to get inside the sphere of the portal that Thor is making with Mjolnir to go to earth with him. So now Takets is going to earth with Thor who tried to go to Asgard. Mm -hmm. Then we get a fight scene between Paracus and Balder where Balder is really trying, but he is just way, way, way outmatched here. Like, yeah, he, he tries to, you know, hit Paracus with his sword and it just smashes. It just breaks in two. Uh, and we see Odin going like, oh shit. Oh but man, they're pretty tough. Oh, these guys are uh, pretty tough. These guys are pretty tough. These freaks are tough. Cut to Memorial Hospital. You know that hospital in New York that's called Memorial Hospital? I mean, it says it right on the side of the building, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Parker and Aunt May are here because they're picking up a prescription for Aunt May, <laughs> which I guess they have to go to the hospital for. Well, I think she is at the hospital to like see her doctor, like her, yeah, her yeah. Like, cardiologist. And then since uh, hospitals do have pharmacies. Yeah. So probably gonna probably gonna let just like see, see that while she's there. Uh, a patient gets brought in by Jake Olson and Demetrius, uh, a patient who has been shot, and Jane Foster's like, "You gonna try to save this guy too, Doctor Olson?" And Jake's like, "No, no, no, I'm not gonna do that again." Um, and Peter, a, uh, dick move, considering that. That Jake Olson did save a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter, in not one of his best moments of self-awareness, starts taking pictures of a patient at the hospital. Buddy. Like, you can't run that in a newspaper. Can you have a tiny bit of class? That's a HIPAA violation, bud. Like, he's... 
he's not he's trying to take a picture of the paramedics like to to be entirely fair to Peter who fully does not deserve it uh he's like taking a picture of the paramedics and not like the guy they just brought in but and when he gets called on it he's like uh this is a tribute to you guys <laughs> yeah Peter Peter come on now Uh, so Demetrius comes over and he's like I'm I'm gonna rip the film out of this camera this guy should not be taking pictures in here and so Jake has to come over and be like no 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 no. it's 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 okay it's okay just relax and he's like hey next time Parker asked to take pictures he calls it by name and he's like, it seems like Thor knows who Peter Parker is, but then in a thought balloon, he's like, this guy seems familiar. Well, he introduced himself as Peter Parker in in like earlier on that page. Yeah, but wouldn't Thor know who Peter Parker is? No, nobody knows who uh, Spider-Man is at this point. At this point, in okay. okay. No, none of them know. Okay, okay. Anyway, uh... Both Jake's and Peter's pagers go off at the same time, which is super funny. And they go running because uh, Tockets has shown up in the city. And uh, and Peter's like, hey, Aunt May, I gotta go. Um, just be sure to get your prescriptions. And Aunt May's like, but you have my prescription in your pocket. Classic Parker stuff. Classic Peter Parker stuff. Classic Parker. Meanwhile, Tockets is causing like earthquakes in Times Square. <laughs> He's like destroying the road. We see both Peter and Jake change into their superhero alter egos. There's a big splash page of both of them meeting up, and they proceed to. Uh, fight Takats for the rest of the issue. There's a whole thing where like a building collapses and they have to hold the building up. But most of the rest of the issue is just like fighting Takats, and then there's this like gimmick where there are two Takatses. Uh, but then the story gets finished in Peter Parker Spider-Man number two. That's right. The second issue of the relaunched Peter Parker Spider-Man <laughs> was the end of this two-parter with Thor. Essentially what happens in that issue is Tockets realizes and finds out that Thor is alive. Spider-Man and Thor beat Tockets and they send him back to Asgard. Like he ends up going back to Asgard. Which leads us into Thor number nine. Revealed the secret of the Dark Gods. Yeah, but where Thor is like a blue spectral figure. Seemingly being created by the clash between uh, Odin and and Magistan Zelia. Well, it's interesting that I thought you read it because to me this was like a uh, a go- ghost of Christmas past situation. Yeah, I mean that that's more what it is. Like Thor is seeing their clash and and is shocked by it. Interesting thing about the design of Magistan Zelia. She has like a big helmet, hat, mask thing that only shows her having one eye, right? <laughs> Which is usually an Odin thing. But Odin throughout this series 
like I think how he was often depicted by Kirby has two eyes. Yeah. Like I feel like in recent years Marvel Comics has done more of making Odin just have one eye. Like in yep. mythology. But like Kirby and Ramita are like, no, he's got two eyes. <laughs> yeah, well I think like Marvel like Marvel Odin had two eyes. Because like he like there was like a, a continuity reason for it. It's it like it's the same kind of thing of like Thor in Marvel Comics being blonde when Thor is traditionally drawn with red hair. Uh, yeah. and he just like, oh yeah, some some mortals fuck up and draw me wrong, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But I do feel like yeah. in Marvel Comics lately though, they've tended to depict him with one eye because I think movie Odin had one eye. Yeah. Yeah, like they've absolutely moved toward that for like like in in recent years. Yeah. But anyway, I feel like there uh, is a there's like a no prize reason for it, I think. Yeah, they're probably I'm sure I'm sure Stan came up with some justification for him having two eyes. Yeah. Uh so uh Thor number 9 um we got a guest artist. We got two guest artists on this one. Uh, John Basima and Jerry Ordway are on this one, baby. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And I don't know yeah, if it's just a half. Four. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Strong jawline on this Thor. I don't know if Dan Jurgens decided that since he was going to be working with John Basima and Jerry Ordway that he would make this kind of a throwback issue where it was just a happy coincidence. But this is definitely an issue where fucking replica shows up <laughs> a throwback to super early Thor comics. You might be asking, you might be thinking, Hey boys. Hey Chris. Hey Matt. Is replica going to get over? <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> Replicas ain't never getting over. The answer is no. Yeah, Thor fights Replicas and beats him. And that's like the first five or six pages of this comic, yeah. Yeah, uh, the original Replicas was from Thor number 141, all the way back from 1967. Thor number 141 was that version of Replicas' only appearance. This issue of Thor is this version of Replicus's. No, he comes back in a couple more issues, but like he do, this one doesn't last very long either. And also, what we are going to discover about this version of Replicus is a couple of rotten kids, like, are basically remote controlling it to steal money. A real, a real Chris and Matt circa 1998. <laughs> okay, are you the one with the backwards hat just kind of barely sitting on top of your head? No, no, or no, I'm you, the other one. You're the kid with the alien on his t-shirt? I'm the kid with the alien on his shirt. You're the one who's wearing high-heeled cowboy boots. <laughs> I didn't even notice those shoes. Oh, oh wow. That we're both drinking lots of Surge. Oh yeah, that's that soda that they're drinking is definitely Surge. 
but yeah, like uh, Thor destroys Replicus like really quickly, and there's like tons of cash inside, and like people are in the street grabbing the cash, of course. And then he just goes and bursts through the wall of a building and is like, hey, you fucking kids, I know what you did. And the cops are coming to get you. And the kids are like, okay, sorry. Can I get your autograph? That's what happens. (laughs) Oh, man. Fucking replicas. He ain't never getting over, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to say it to you. It ain't happening. So, while Thor is fighting Replicus, there's a whole thing where he remembers that as Jake Olsen, he promised that he was going to take Hannah and her daughter to the Giants game. There was a whole conversation last issue that we kind of skipped over where Jake was like, hey, hey, Mandy, which is Hannah's daughter's name. Mandy, what do you like? I want to I want to help you. I want to give you something that you like. And Mandy goes, I want to go see the Giants. Take me to a Giants game. And Jake who is sometimes who sometimes talks like a regular guy and sometimes talks like Thor is mm-hmm. like verily you mean the frost giants and and Mandy has to go no the new york football giants and so as soon as he beats replicas he's like i think a cop is like boy there's a giants game fo- going on right now uh, or no, it's Demetrius is like, Jake's not around. He took Hannah to the Giants game. And Thor's like, oh, that's happening now? That game's happening now? Uh, I gotta go. And so he shows up to the Giants game where Hannah and Mandy already are. And he buys Mandy a hot dog and a jacket. So and finally, a and a malt. And f- so finally, Mandy kind of warms up to Jake a little bit. It's uh, very weird to me that like I can't really figure out how old Mandy is supposed to be because she's very impressed by getting a malt. <laughs> that's true. I, if I had to put my finger on how old she is supposed to be, my first instinct would be 13. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. But that is maybe a little too old to be like, oh boy, a malt. (laughs) Golly, geez. Also, uh, they go out for lasagna after the game. And Jake's like, why don't we get Scandinavian food next time? And Mandy's like, what the fuck is that? Oh man, let me th- let me tell you about beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> Mandy, you'd love it here. We also get a quick cut back to um, Asgard, and we see Odin in his in his contraption. And I do have to say, um, as 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 great as John Basima and Jerry Ordway are, 
they are not doing justice to this contraption that John Romita Jr. normally draws. That's uh, true. But the big takeaway from this scene is that Takuts comes back and he's like, hey, Thor's alive. Which makes Paracus go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Let's go find that dude right now. Thor decides that he's going to go talk to Oracle and ask him, hey, what's going on with the uh, this enemy that I had a dream about but I can't remember? And Oracle goes, oh, I can't tell you. Like, I know who it is, but I can't tell you. <laughs> and Thor goes, what? Just tell me. And Oracle goes, I cannot. Don't have a temper tra- tantrum. And that's when uh, Marnot shows up. And uh, he doesn't quite say who he is. But he does explain how when Thor was a kid, uh, the Asgardians and the Dark Gods got into a war. Because they just happened to come upon Narcisson, mm-hmm. which is the anti-Asgard. Right. Lochnar is the or Lonkar, not Lochnar, Lonkar, the scout, finds Narcisson and he sees that the people there are being uh subjugated. So Asgard goes to war with Narcisson. And it looks like maybe the Asgardians are going to lose, but Thor throws a spear to Odin just when he needs it. That he and, does uh, not then use in the next panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a pretty, like, pretty weird bit of staging, he fully just doesn't use it in the next panel. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you were doing there, John and Jerry. But nonetheless, far be it for me to to we, we shoulders of giants, Matt. But what so the you ain't getting, like guys? The spear is important to the plot. <laughs> yeah, uh, because we find out that essentially the dark gods, and particularly Paracus, blame Thor for their loss to the Asgardians, however many mm-hmm. centuries ago. And Odin, having seen this as like a dark chapter in Asgard's history, has blocked it from everybody's memory. So that's why Jake slash Thor couldn't remember who the enemy was. Yeah, because so uh, many people died. So many gods died that Odin was like, the trauma of this war is too much to bear. But we get the the the, spl- the splash page of the war that we get is fully, there came a time when the old gods died. Oh, it's very much that, yes. <laughs> like, it's so much that exact, like, staging. Which, not a complaint. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Thor number 10. I had to look at this cover for a while to realize that this is not a John Romita Jr. cover. It's a Joe Quesada cover. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But I was like, there's a weird, like, different kind of fluidity to this art, this John Romita Jr. art, until I realized, oh, because Joe Quesada drew this. <laughs> yeah, and until you looked at uh, Thor's face, and you were like, that yeah. does not, that doesn't look right. Paracus is, like, swinging down at Thor, who's, like, pushing away some rubble, and there's just a lot of, like, bright green wreckage behind them. Uh, I like it. It's a, it's a, it's a good cover. The issue once again starts with Takats telling Paracus that Thor is alive, which he's already done. Uh, <laughs> and so Paracus is like, all right, let's figure out where Thor is. And just then, uh, the title of this issue is The Dark Wars, part one of three, by the way. Just then, on Earth, Thor is transforming into Jake Olsen. And what we will find out is that when Thor is Jake Olsen, he cannot be detected as Thor. Like, whatever kind, of, whatever kind of sense the Dark Gods have for locating Thor uh, doesn't work when Jake Olsen is Jake Olsen instead of Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jake goes to work at the hospital, and a cop shows up and he's like, Hey, um, somebody's stealing drugs from the pharmacy here at the hospital. And Hannah and Demetrius, well, Demetrius knows that he's the one doing it, but Hannah immediately suspects Jake. (laughs) Yeah. Because Jake has been acting erratic and it's literally Jake shows up at the hospital and goes, Hey, I got to leave town for a couple days. And his girlfriend is like, uh, why? And he's like, "Oh, long story. I'll tell you later." Uh, and then she just—he just leaves because he dips. And we know, of course, he's going to go do a war against uh, apocalypse. And uh, but then as he is walking out, the cop shows up and is like, "Hey, somebody's dealing drugs. Have you noticed anybody acting weird?" <laughs> yeah. Funny. <laughs> uh. Then we get some more Asgard stuff. The the Dark Gods are interrogating Odin about Thor. And Odin's like, I don't know, man. As far as I know, he's dead. And Pericus is like, no, he's definitely alive. So we got to get him here. Let's set a trap with some bait. So Pericus projects himself to Earth? In like a big hologram that everybody in New York can see. Like he's towering over buildings in New York. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, Thor, I know you're there. I got Sif. And he like holds Sif up. And he's like, I'm going to start killing every one of the gods of Asgard until you come here. And Sif's, good, Sif's first on the list. And, uh, Jane, who also knows Sif, is like, "Holy shit, Sif! That, oh, this is this is bad. I better I better tell I better tell Thor." And uh, she turns around to talk to Jake, and Jake is gone. And so she's definitely convinced now that Jake is Thor. Uh, but that's when Hannah shows up, and she's like. Jane Foster, you seem to know Jake better than I do. And Jane's like, no, but let's go talk about him. Why don't you tell me about him? I, I like that with the bit where 
Jay comes out and uh and Jane's like, Hey, you uh gotta go do something for your dad? Your your dad Odin? <laughs> you gotta maybe do something, buddy? For for your dad? So Thor goes to Asgard and this time he is not repelled away, uh, because they want him there this time. And you know, you might think that he would know that this was an obvious trap. <laughs> But he kind of doesn't seem to. <laughs> Either he he's just walking right in trap, or he's just like, even if it's a trap, I'm going to go in there and kick everybody's ass because I'm Thor. Yeah, yeah. He uh, approaches. He walks into the the big arena where Odin and Balder and Sif all are. And he is then confronted by all of the dark gods. They introduce themselves, and Odin's like, you should not have come here. Please get out. And Thor's like, omnipotent Odin, chained as though not but a common criminal, and bravest Balder near death, Ian Sif, near ready for Hela's permanent embrace? I don't know why he's so shocked by this, but he is. He's, it's a real uh, Desmond Doomsday, the narrator of Batman 66. It's very uh, much like that. This? <laughs> Come back, faithful viewer. Uh, so then Paracus comes out. And he's like, all right, time to fight. It, it is time for us to throw down. I call you out, Thunder God. It's pretty dope. And... Uh, they have a pretty cool fight for a while. Uh, Their fight is pretty cool. And like Thor, Thor's thing of like, uh, Thor says, yield at Thor's command while possible, Pericus, or face my righteous wrath, which is some pretty good Thor talk. So Pericus's attacks are wild. He's like the final boss in a fighting game. Because the first thing he does is just this like, blast out of his arm this like blue energy blast out of his arm Mm -hmm. that in a fighting game would take up the whole screen like it's so huge you can't avoid it Mm -hmm. and then he's got this like scythe sort of weapon that like shoots out like I can't even tell what they're supposed to be exactly but they're these like black little beams that shoot out of it toward Thor and he has to like block them. Uh, but I, I, I think you're supposed to get the impression that they're like shooting out like bullets toward Thor. Uh, then Thor throws Mjolnir at Paracus and Paracus just slices the, the top of the hammer into two pieces. And that's the moment where like all the Asgardians are like, Oh fuck. Yeah. It says there's a whole, (laughs) do one more. Oh fuck. That's good. Cause there's three panels. There's actually four panels. Cause it's Odin, Baldur, Sif and Thor. If you want to give me a, a Thorth. Oh fuck. Uh, there's a whole thing about like how 
like this has never happened before. Like in in all the history of Asgard, nothing has ever you know no one's ever seen this. And I was trying to think like, is this the first time that happened? That's a good question. I, I feel I'm not like sure. it's not like ninety eight. Like it's happened. If this is the first time it's happened, then it's happened like five times in the past 25 years. And the previous 25 years, it happened zero times. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, no, it happened in 1965. Yeah, okay. All right. The, the, dis- the Destroyer cut it into in 1965. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, everybody acts like... Like, Mjolnir is destroyed. Because, like, then what happens is Thor just gets his ass beat. And there's a whole thing where it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen when the 60 seconds runs out and he turns back into Jake Olsen? Because that's a rule again. Like it was for Don Blake and like it was for Eric Masterson. Uh, And so we get this page of, like, Thor just he trying to hang in there, but without his hammer, he just can't do it, and he just gets his ass beat. And spoiler warning for the next issue: Milner is not permanently broken. No. Milner is kind of fine for no reason. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking at there's a there's a Wikipedia page just about Milner. As there should and be. It's a very famous hammer man. There's a section about how. It, all the times it has been destroyed. It says, Mjolnir is not indestructible, having been damaged or destroyed several times in continuity. A force beam from the Asgardian destroyer slices it in two. The Molecule Man dispels the atomic bonds between the ham- hammer's molecules, vaporizing it. Uh, it was shattered after channeling an immeasurable amount of energy at the Celestial Exaltar, and uh, then Paracus broke it. Uh, so this, was like the then, this was like the fourth time it, it's happened. And then it happened in 2004 when it was shattered by the storm giants. Uh, so it has happened a few times. So yeah, Thor gets his ass beat and he turns back into Jake Olson and he crawls into a storm drain. <laughs> he crawls into like one of those, Regular everywhere they around Asgard storm drains. A very, very conveniently located storm drain. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we leave it. Uh, Jake Olson, no longer Thor, has crawled into a storm drain. Uh, Thor number 11, powerless before Paracus has Paracus standing over Jake Olson, who is looking down at a shattered Mjolnir. And uh, this cover is a, a pretty shade of purple. And it is also drawn by Lee Weeks. Oh, bummer. Yeah. It's it's not quite as good as the other covers, I don't feel like. He does, like. he does give Jake Olson a real nasty face. He's got a real nasty face, yeah. Yeah. Um, the colors are pretty, though. I really like the colors. On the cover. Yeah. Uh, So the first page is just like the faces of everybody in the arena 
after J- Thor has retreated and Jake Olson has crawled into this storm drain. The design of Magistan Zelia throughout this whole thing is so cool. Because so much of her face is covered by this mask, right? And everything underneath it is just like dark shadow. And so all you see of Magistan Zelia's face is one yellowy orangey eye and her mouth. And her mouth are just it's just these big lips. Like these like very detailed lips and teeth and like the inside of her mouth. And so she's she's like she's always smiling and laughing. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's it's such a it's a very cool visual. She she's a uh, cool design in every way, yeah. I think. Like really, really cool design. Like, even though there's obvious like influence and attempts to like recreate uh Kirby stuff, like she reads as a very unique design, even yeah. speaking the language of like of Kirby comics. Yeah. I, I mean the the thing where it's just lips kind of reminds me of uh, like those Dairy Queen commercials. Where it was just the lips floating around. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like so, I'm learning stuff about you today, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> the whole like first bit of this issue is everybody being shocked that Thor would have retreated from this fight. Because no one present knows that he's Jake Olsen. Right. So they think Thor just ran away. And Balder at one point is like, uh, oh, well, Pericus tries to pick up Mjolnir. And Balder's like, only one as courageous and pure as Thor could pick up Mjolnir. And Pericus is like, courageous? That motherfucker ran away! Takats says, hey, I'll find him. Don't worry, I'll find him. And then for the next little bit, we get Jake Olson in Asgard's sewers. And this does, I do feel like this is the first appearance of the sewers of Asgard. I think you're right. And, like, specifically, like, it's fully, like, there's a shit monster that shows up. (laughs) Yeah. Explicitly. There are these guys down in the sewers that are fucking Dark Souls enemies <laughs> that are like rounding up people to be slaves. And they, they have this whole plan to capture everybody who lives on Earth and bring them here into the sewers of Asgard as slaves. And they all work for, yeah, this like big weird tree made out of shit yeah like a real a real weird looking dude also like a really unique design because he's all just like like basically we only see it in silhouette i mean it looks like a tree it looked yeah but it also looks like a dude stretched over a tree like taffy yeah it's a pretty like it's a pretty cool look honestly 
Like, this makes me wonder if Hidetaka Miyazaki, the director of many of From Software's video games, didn't read Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr.'s run on Thor and got to the part with Asgard Sewers, and he's like, this is what I want my video games to be about. Oh yeah, this is, you know what? Hey, uh, developers on Bloodborne, please read Thor number 11. <laughs> Every FromSoft game definitely has a poison swamp in it, and this reminds me of that. Uh, yeah. Very, very this much. Dude, so. By the way, he nasty as hell. Oh, he like, very nasty. Hey, what the fuck are you? And this guy says, "I'm a shit monster." <laughs> that is literal dialogue. Is what manner of creature are you? Muck, slime, excrement, filth, sludge, all of it. All that's discarded, that is me. And then Thor is like, that's fuck that. There is no fucking way. Oh, and then the guy goes, uh, then you should live in and eat shit. It's fucking wild. Why are the Asgardians shitting this much? Well, I mean, they're immortal, Matt. Shouldn't. Sh- okay. I understand that they are living beings with like digestive systems and stuff. I mean, famously, they they do consume. Yeah, but does this mean God's poop? I does mean, this I mean the Asgardians do? Does this mean that fucking Heimdall has to take a break from guarding the Rainbow Bridge sometimes to go drop a deuce? He's probably got like a little like a like a little room there. Like a little stall, probably. This just presents a lot of questions. <laughs> I, <laughs> about I the biology of questions about this. <laughs> about the biology of gods. Well, like here's the thing. Again, not all gods, I don't think. But definitely the Norse gods like do eat and drink and give birth to horses and do all kinds of stuff. But you would think that maybe part of the deal of being a God would be that you get to eat and drink and not have to shit and pee. I think I, I, I mean, you say that, but what I think they're actually doing is if they, they won't starve to death if they don't eat, but they do still eat and, and, and poop and pee. I hate that we're having this discussion. The great philosophical question of our time. Does God need to shit? But here's here's the thing that I think also like is a weirdly complimentary like bit to this is that Thor is is like, oh this is fucking gross. I don't want to do this. This is bad. And he sees uh like the the bad guys start like beating on him and then they bring some more of the of the people they've enslaved by and it's volstag who is like a third of volstag yeah it's the first of at least three times where we've seen volstag and things are have gone so bad that he has like lost all his weight from starvation that's happened at least it happens at the end of this run i mean not this run but like this series yeah, uh, 
when uh, Ragnarok happens as well. But yeah, they bring him by and Thor sees Volstag and he's like, fucking Volstag? Fuck this, actually! And like starts beating on these guys with shovels. Turns out one of them was actually Takats in disguise. And he like grabs Jake Olsen by the neck and drags him back to to go finish, uh, to go Halo, to go finish the fight. Um, <laughs> That's right. But here's here's the thing, Matt. If Volstag can lose weight, yeah, then that implies certain biological functions that are not pooping, but are like I think in the the pooping related systems of the body. Balder uh, Balder get does this too cuz Balder like after he retires from killing people like he gets kind of like, you know, old and, and and a little bit uh a little bit on the on the the, the pudgy side and then he, he gets, like, spare gets time. shredded again. Yeah. When he decides it's time to go back and kill people. So so as guardians don't have to eat to live but they require nutrition for fitness. Fitting this whole dinner in your mouth with a full sag. <laughs> so, Takuts brings Jake Olsen back to the arena, and he's like, this is Thor. I brought him back. And Paracus and Magician Zelia are like, that's not Thor. That's just some guy. That's dude. <laughs> that's, that's a dude you found. Who the fuck is this? And Takets is like, I'm telling you, man, that's Thor. He looks like a mortal, but that's just a act. That's Thor. And they're like, shut up, Takets. What the fuck? Get out of here. Takets, you clearly don't and know then, what you're talking about. And so uh, Paracus is just pissed off now. And so he's just like beating up Jake Olson. And... Jake Olsen is talking like Thor. He's like, I'll fight you. Fuck, I, I'm a warrior born. I'll fight you. And Paracus just happens to knock Jake Olsen over by the broken Mjolnir, which then he picks up, and then he transforms into Thor in one of those two-page spreads that you have to hold the comic sideways to read. Mm-hmm. It and, looks uh, good that as hell, shit, <laughs> that, shit, that shit rules. And it- pretty fucking yes. badass honestly because that is a thor like it's weird because he just kind of like legos it back together he just kind of like smushes the two pieces of mjolnir back together yeah. and they stick and uh-huh. then that is a thor that looks like he is about to beat somebody's ass like he's like all hunched over yeah like he's like he's he's gone beast mode you and get uh it's in uh yeah in the way John Armita Jr. draws this. It's fucking rad. Well, there's like light emanating from Mjolnir. And so it's like, it's kind of washing out Thor's features. So it's, he's just like all snarl, you know, like he's, the expression on his face is bad ass. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it rules. He's about to like, oh man, I, ho- I hope Vegeta doesn't look at him with a scouter. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a very high power level. So then Paracus is like, all right, finally, Thor, you're back. Now we can finish this fight. And Thor's like, okay, now I'm going to leave. So 
So he swings Mjolnir around and he pieces out of there. And Paracus and Magistan Zelia get mad. And Odin, Balder, and Sif are all like, what? What's he doing? Why is he... He's he's running away. He's a coward. But uh, instead, Thor just knew he needed some help. Because this whole time, Marnots has been saying like, hey, there's a reason why you got to do this Jake Olsen shit. Because you're going to need help, and you can't just do it as Thor. So that's why I'm making you be Jake Olsen. And uh, that's when he goes and finds the fucking Destroyer. Yeah, now, this is the dude from the first couple issues, right? Who put himself in the, the Destroyer. Yes, this is the soldier who didn't want to be in the army anymore. Yeah. Who put himself in the Destroyer. And Thor just like... Like, the last we saw of that dude, Thor teleported him to just, like, floating in fucking space. Yeah, and so now he's on some, like, deserted planet. And and Thor's like, I will free you from your imprisonment if you help me. And And the last we see of Destroyer here is, like, you want me to be Tonto to your Lone Ranger, Bucky to your Captain America? Not a chance. So, so we got to see what's going to happen in the conclusion in the double-sized issue twelve. I'm pretty Next excited time. about it. This run kicks yeah. ass. This run is so good. <laughs> it's weird that like, uh, I feel like this run is just like never talked about, and then. Uh, like uh, Ted Anderson uh, was has started reading it to follow along with us, and is like, "Oh, this is like everything that happens in the Jason Aaron run, but just different." Because like dark gods and and Thor breaking this hammer and like you know nothing like it's not all done the same way. Obviously, it's it's done very different, but it's yeah. very like it's like yeah. If you like that comic, you'll probably like this comic. Yeah, it's very similar in in approach and style and kind of like big action beat of it all. Yeah. Like, this is just a big, smashy action comic. Yeah. I, I do feel like the Jake Olsen parts of it are like... They are the weakest bits, right? They, 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 sure. They're not super fun yet. It, it just feels like... I don't know. Like I am very uninterested in Jake Olson being investigated for stealing prescription drugs. That is like <laughs> such a weird thing that I guess we're going to think about in this comic. But this shit uh, kind of owns... The Jake Olsen here stuff is in here as a means to an end and as a way to kind of do the whole Donald Blake thing again. Mm-hmm. But the Thor stuff, man, it, it's like I said, it's just, it's like big, smashy action storytelling. Yeah. And I think that, like, the key of it being Jack Kirby 60 stuff versus Jack Kirby 70 stuff, that's some shit I'm excited about. Yeah. It's not nuanced and, and poetic 
like Simonson. Like, not to say that there's no Simonson in this, but it, but it's definitely more of a throwback to pre-Simonson Thor. Like, yeah, Kirby and some of the other stuff, but in the best possible way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think you're not going to out Simonson Simonson, and you're not going to out Kirby Kirby, obviously. But I do think there is a feeling in this book that if we go back to the pre-Simonson stuff and Thor fights the fucking Mangog and then we mix it up with like, you know, dudes who are kind of the the apocalypse, you know, the, the dark gods of the fourth world. And then also, like, also, spoiler warning, Thor 25, one of the best single issues of all time, is just Thor fighting Thanos. And he yeah, we're ass. We're gonna. That is gonna be a whole episode. That issue's gonna yeah, be a whole episode. That issue's gonna be an episode. Uh, but like Replicus showing up is indicative of, I think, the approach the creative team is taking to this comic. You know, yeah. where it's like we're going back to Thor's roots in so many ways, like yeah. Marvel Thor's roots. Obviously, he ain't getting over. No, he's never getting over. Hey, if you want to send us an email, if you want to get in touch with us about Dan Jurgens Thor or any old other thing, like sponsoring the show maybe, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, get in touch with us on Tumblr. We're on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Blue Sky at warrocketpodcast at, ble- at bsky.social. Uh, and you can join our Discord if you want to uh, ask us for an invitation on our Patreon or one of the places I just mentioned, and uh, we will get you an invitation to our discord, which you should join. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan run repository of all the information you could ever need about War Rocket Ajax. So go check that out. Find the info you need. If you need some info about the show, if you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. It's where you can find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Hey, everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it's got links to everything that I do. And if you want to get over, hit up that Patreon gimmick. You'll be over with me, buddy. You'll, you'll be over with both of us. We have some guests next week that we are looking forward to talking to, so come back for that. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I'm very excited about that one. Uh, But until then, everybody, hey, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops, well, they're not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Flash.